This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Welcome to Pit Pass Moto, the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. I'm Dave Selecki, and this week, as our guest, we have Jim Ikezilli. Pit Pass Moto is brought to you by Moto America, the home of AMA Superbike Championship, featuring 190-mile-an-hour superbikes, is the official sponsor of Pit Pass Moto. Tickets, info, and complete 2021 schedule are available at MotoAmerica.com forward slash tickets. There's nine rounds of the best racing on two wheels. All 20 Hono Superbike races air live on Fox Sports. Also, King of the Baggers airing live on Fox Sports along with the Liquamali Junior Cup Series. Check out Moto America Rewind and Inside Moto America also on Fox Sports. The Supersport class airs live on MAV-TV. And don't miss a minute of action. Practice qualifying and races and video on demand with Moto America Live plus streaming. Our first event this year will be coming up on April 30th through May 2nd at Michelin Raceway Road Atlanta, where you'll see all the race action. Follow Moto America on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Now for the latest news in the industry, we have racing results from the Atlanta Supercross Round 7 in the 450 class. We have Cooper Webb taking the win over Ken Roxon, and third was Zach Osborne. We had quite a battle for the front, but Cooper Webb took it home. He uh, passed from third to first about halfway through the through the moto, and took it home. And uh, it was really a great event for him. What we didn't see was defending champ Eli Tomac really not hanging in there. Ended up fifth on the evening. So. That's going to shake up the points just a little bit. Ken Roxon continues to lead the series with 160 win, followed by Cooper Webb, who's 13 points back, and Tomac, who is now 29 points back. So he's got some work to do as they go on to the next round. In the 250 East class, it was a whole shot and check out for Jet Lawrence, who just dominated for the evening, took it home over Colt Nichols, who battled up to second, followed by Kristen Craig, who took a bad spill in his qualifier, and had to qualify through the last chance qualifier, but made it to the final. Standing so far in the 250 series, Colt Nichols leads with 166 points over Christian Craig, who's eight points back, so he's still hanging tight. Followed by Joe Shimoda, the pro circuit rider, is back 28 points. So that was uh, the last of the 250 East rounds until later on in the season as we move on to the next round. This week's Pit Pass trivia question is, name the former NBA center who is a well-known vintage motorcycle owner and racer. Give us his name and what team did he play for? More about that later on in the show.
Today on Pit Pass Moto, our guest is Jim Ikezilli, owner of Motozilli Yamaha of Warren, and a Northeast Ohio and Western Pennsylvania uh, institution, I would say. Jim, welcome to the show. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate having me on. And um, look- Have you ever wanted to know how to win a Formula One Grand Prix? I mean, really know. Know about the driver tactics from the cockpit, the strategy calls from the pit wall, and even the mind games in the paddock. There's a lot more that goes into winning a Grand Prix than just 90 minutes of racing. So every week on the F1 Strategy Report, we're taking a deep dive into the decisions that shape every result. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato, and every week I'm joined by an expert guest from the paddock to talk through the big calls that won the race and the missteps that resulted in bitter defeat. Before every race, we'll look back at the previous year's result and consult the current form guide, and we'll be in your feed after every Grand Prix, dissecting the outcome and what it means for the championship. So for your regular hit of Formula One analysis, subscribe to the F1 Strategy Report wherever you get your favourite podcasts. The Strategy Report is a beer mogul podcast on the Evergreen Podcasts Network. My name's Michael Laminato, and I'll catch you after the chequered flag. Look forward to chatting here a bit. You and I have met and we've talked before, and uh, really I think your dealership is just one of those places that... I think has become a destination for riders to go to. And it's not just a motorcycle dealership in the traditional sense, which I think in this current situation with COVID and all the things that that are going on, I think that's a really interesting take on a motorcycle dealership these days. No, I appreciate it. You know, the business plan and what we're trying to create, you know, at the dealership is getting back to what uh, and why all of us got into the sport of riding motorcycles, as well as the, the business of owning a motorcycle dealership. And that is the fun and the passion, you know, that we have about riding, sharing stories and just talking the sport. Unfortunately, over the last, you know, 15, 10, 15 years, a lot of the dealerships have gotten into more of a high volume, what we say more of a car dealership atmosphere. And, you know, that's great for us dealer principals that want to make profit, but it takes the excitement out of owning a motorcycle. And, you know, one thing that I know and, you know, we talk about is that everything at our store that we sell, we have nothing that's a necessity. Everything that we sell is for fun and for, you know, personal pleasure. So, you know, we try to make it as fun as possible. And I unfortunately been able to get back into doing some of the things that I have thought of over the years, like the museum, has become such a success and almost made the dealership a destination to get people from outside of our area into the dealership and just to look at the things that got us again into riding, you know, the dirt bikes from back in the 70s and 80s and even some of the street bike stuff. So speaking to that specifically, I know some of the brands that you carry, obviously very popular brands with Yamaha goes without saying because it's uh, they cover all aspects of power sports from ATV to motorcycle to dirt bikes to watercraft even. Some of the other brands that you carry at your dealership are really interesting to me because it's that, uh, that take on the modern retro motorcycle. How does that draw people into your dealership and kind of help push that narrative? Yes, exactly. We've... Um you know, brought those other brands in and, you know, exclusively speaking of the Triumph motorcycles, as well as um, the very successful one, what we're super excited about right now is the Royal Enfield motorcycles. They've gotten back, both those manufacturers, 
got back to the basics, and that's where they started at. Royal Enfield, just within the last five to ten years, has really exploded with a retro, very basic, very simple, but great performing motorcycle. Triumph started that with the Bonnevilles, and now they've expanded into probably the best adventure touring bikes that are on the market and some of the most high-tech stuff. But both the names, the Royal Enfield and the Triumph name, is a, a, a name that goes back into the early motorcycle history, even before us that carry the Japanese brands, the Honda, Yamaha, Suzuki, Kawasaki. So going back into the business model that we're looking at, that's why we feel Royal Enfield and Triumph fits so well at our store is because, again, as I said earlier, we're trying to get back to the basics. We're trying to make it fun. We're trying to make it simple. And as you know, Dave, especially, you, you know what Royal Enfield's done, especially with those 650 twins. It's been a great success. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I actually, I love mine very much. It's uh, it's the type of motorcycle that when you do go out and ride it, it's just the joy. It takes you back to that, you know, that original feeling you get when you first got on a motorcycle. And and I'll tell you, the comments you get is also, uh, it's it's worth having it just for that because you get a lot, hey, what's that? Kind of dovetailing in now to that mentality and the things that you've done with the museum, I think with the going back in time, I think that's your uh, your tagline with the museum is a ride back in time. Talk about the museum and some of the curation that you had to do over the years and some of uh, some of the vehicles in the museum. Sure. Um, yeah. Going back, um, you know, the, the museum just started kind of as a passion of, of mine when I built the new store in 2004. We put a basement in the store and not really knowing what we were going to do with that basement, just, um, you know, figured we were short on space and land and how big of a building we could build. So, you know, I thought, let's just put a basement in it in the future. If we have to put the small bikes, the mini bikes, the little dirt bikes or something like that in the basement, we would do that. And so over time, the basement became a basement like we all have in the Northeast at our homes, and it, it's usually just a, a junk collector, and we pile stuff into the basement. And uh, we ran out of room upstairs in the main floor and decided to move uh, my office and my office manager's office into the basement and build some offices down there. And then in that process, I put an additional wall in and you know decided that a few of the vintage bikes or quite a few of the vintage bikes that I had, um, I would put in the museum or in the basement. At that time, it was just the basement. And, you know, some people came in to visit and they said, you know, this is kind of a great idea. You know, I have this bike or I have that bike or I have a friend that has a really cool bike. So I kind of got the idea a little bit from the Packard National Car Museum that's down the street from us about, you know, bringing some customers bikes in and people that have really cool stuff at home that they never get to show off. So we were able to um, reach out to some collectors in the area and uh, put in some additional bikes over and above my collection and were able to really expand the museum in the basement. And what's made it neat is because there's so many people in our area, Northeast Ohio, Western Pennsylvania, that have a lot of cool old vintage motocross bikes, mini bikes, dirt bikes. These guys come in and they rotate, you know, what we have down there. So it never gets stale. Every couple months, you know, we're switching stuff around and bringing in different displays. Then from that, Dave, we kind of got hooked up with Rob Bitus, a good friend of mine that most of us in the industry know Rob. And 
He said, well, let's uh, let's try to see if we can get, you know, a couple legends or some, you know, kind of well-known named folks to come in and maybe, you know, have a special night. And um, that became a great success. It worked very well. Um, we had Brock Glover. We've had, you know, Don Emdy. Of course, we've had the Penton family. Ryan Villopoto. Um, we've had a great group of guys come into the museum. Unfortunately, with COVID, we haven't been able to do that over the, the last year here, but really looking forward to midsummer here. We're really involved with some race teams going into the 2021 season and really want to get some stuff going and get people back visiting what we have down in the museum. And outstanding it is. I, I urge anybody who's in that part of the world to uh, stop at the museum and, and spend an hour or two and just go back in time and see some of the cool equipment. Jim, there's got to be a favorite bike or collect item in there that, that you covet the most. Which which one is it? For my customers that come in, obviously the Honda mini bikes. We have, you know, MR50s, XR75, SL70s, you know, all, all of that little Honda stuff that we all started on. Probably my favorite that aren't mine that I don't own personally is, you know, three local guys that really were successful in the motocross or off-road racing over the years that I do have their bikes in the basement. And, and, you know, Jeff Stanton, you know, from Honda, six-time, you know, national champion, we do have his Honda in the basement and Jeff does still ride it whenever there's a legends race at one of the big events. Also, Freddie Andrews, because the Andrews family was so popular and really growing the industry in Northeast Ohio and having Freddie's Kawasaki in the basement is a, a great addition. And then our local boy that we all kind of know, and, and I know, Dave, I've seen you there as well, is uh, Trevor Vines from TV Land. We have his first Yamaha freestyle bike as well as a mannequin with all his clothing to kind of doing a backflip in the basement. So those three are probably my favorite because of the history behind them. And those are all big names in uh, in local racing, in addition to Jeff Stanton, a Michigan native who, uh, who still uh, goes out and competes now. What's that relationship to the Moto Fight Club? You mentioned Rob Bidas, and I know you were involved in some of that. And all those names kind of ring true, inclu- including Ryan Villapoto, a few others. How does that... Uh, relate to uh, the things you're doing? That kind of started back at Redbud. Um, you know, Redbud, the motocross the nations in uh, 2018, Rob had the idea of let's do a, a mini bike motocross the nation. You know, I told Rob, I'm in, I don't know how you're going to get people from other parts of the world to come to Michigan to race TTR 110s. And he said, you know, we can make it happen. Um, I reached out to Yamaha. Um, They supplied us with uh, 12 TTR 110s. We ended up getting uh, 10 countries to bring in four riders. Each of those riders were either past champions from that country or someone that is involved with a factory or with our industry. We pulled off the, the motocross pit bike donations at Redbud. That kind of what started everything, and it's basically what led into Moto Fight Club. So from there, after we got done with Redbud at the uh, Motocross the Nations, a, a few days later, we got a call from Chicagoland Speedway, and a couple of the owners from Chicagoland Speedway were at Redbud. They said, hey, do you think you could bring that show to NASCAR? So... 
we worked with them through the winter and and then in 2000 I guess it would have been 2000 maybe 2019 we went to Chicago land and did a pit bike race there same thing we took 10 US racers so that's where I got to meet Ryan Villopoto and the whole crew of past motocross champions they all came in and raced TTR 110s but what was really cool about that is we also got some of the NASCAR guys to race as as well Ryan Blaney which is a local Ohio guy you know he raced and so it kind of started growing from there the Fight Club app is owned by a couple gentlemen from Chicagoland Speedway Ryan Villapoto is involved with it also. So then when COVID hit 2020 here, the motorsports died. We had no racing that we could watch on TV. And Rob got the idea of let's, you know, let's do a motocross race. We'll have Moto Fight TV do the production. It'll be a paid preview. We'll get these riders to come in and we'll do this event. I didn't really think it would work, but I've learned with Rob when he comes up with an idea, it, it does work. And, um, you know, he was able to get Travis Pastrana and Villapoto and Glover and, you know, a whole group of guys to come to Youngstown MX unknown to the public because we weren't allowed to have anybody there because that's when COVID was really going strong. And these guys all flew in or drove in. Actually, Ryan Villapoto drove all the way from California, which was, you know, crazy. Super cool event. I was able to give Brock Glover a YZ450 to ride. And then we were able to auction it off for road to recovery for injured riders. And it was just a great success. I don't know how many, you know, tens of thousands of paid viewers that they had, but it worked really well. From there, got hooked up with my passion, some of the American flat track people, and then we were able to pull off another one at uh, Western Reserve, Salem, Ohio. We were able to do a flat track there and able to get Scotty Parker, Jay Springsteen. These are all guys that I grew up with racing, you know, back in the 70s. And uh, that was a great success. And then, as you were mentioning, just here, the first of the year, actually the end of last year, we were able to do the same event with the TTR 110s, you know, first time that uh, local people got to race against Carson Brown and uh, Willie Browning and some of these super fast uh, pit bike riders. So from the motocross donation, it kind of fell into the Moto Fight Club and there's going to be more coming on with the Moto Fight Club. We'll definitely hear more about that. How has COVID affected uh, you and the dealership as far as when it started last year in March? We were all very concerned when COVID first hit. It was at the peak of our season. As a power sports dealer in Northeast Ohio, we all look forward to March, you know, because March is when it starts happening and the street bike riders can ride and the the dirt bike riders can get out and, and, and get going. And, you know, then here the middle of March, we get hit with COVID and we have to close the dealership. And, you know, we started to do some um, online deliveries. Uh, people going to our website and seeing the units that we had online and, you know, started delivering it, delivering units that way, just parking lot deliveries, I guess is what I want to call that. And that was all through March. And then April, we were able to, mid-April, we were able to open up a little bit and, you know, get things rolling. Then just totally exploded. I mean, something, I've been in this business for 43 years and, you know, last year was just a year that was 
unbelievable because one of the only things that people could do and do safely is be outside riding their motorcycle, camping, fishing, boating. And we just, you know, hit the right sport, you know, for that time of year. And what the most exciting thing about last year was not how successful and profitable it was, but there were so many new families coming into the dealership looking for mini bikes and little four-wheelers for their kids. And they had never been in our industry. Their parents had no clue of, you know, what to buy or what to do or where to go ride. But it, it was just, you know, crazy numbers. And we're really looking forward to what COVID did for us because it created a whole new customer base. And we can just see that growing from this point forward. Now, you're uh, also involved, I know, locally with uh, there's the E-Rock series, which is the Eastern Off-Road Championship, excuse me, Eastern Racing Off-Road Championships, which is a uh, uh, a local uh, series. Now, uh, you're sponsoring a team for that this year, I understand? Yeah, that's right. We're super excited um, to be involved, you know, with the E-Rock series. Actually, this year, 2021, is going to be the most involved I've ever been in all aspects of motorcycle racing. But the E-Rock is definitely one that um, we had never been involved in that type of off-road racing. We we do have some motocross support. We do work with the Hand family, Michael Hand and you know a few of the fast local motocrossers that we help. Brad Orr basically, uh, who's uh, real involved with the E-Rock series, came to me right before Christmas and um, he's a Yamaha rider and said, you know, have you ever thought about an E-Rock team? And honestly, Dave, I didn't know a lot about E-Rock at that time. I, I follow it on social media and I, I see it. And what I seen about it is it was a lot of orange and a lot of white bikes, you know, KTMs and Huskies. Brad said it would be nice to get some other brands and maybe get some other dealer involvement and get some dealers involved. And I said, you know, Brad, let's let's put something together and, you know, see what, what we can do. And he reached out and um, put together just an awesome eight group man, great eight riders. And we also got one quad rider. So we're going to have a, a full nine rider team that's going to be under the MotoZilly Racing at all the, you know, E-Rock races. We've gotten some great support already from Yamaha, as well as, you know, Wasner Pistoners, Ralph Johnson's helping us, FXR Clothing. So I'm super excited to be involved in that series, something that I've never been involved in, to bring another brand in full representation to that series and just to, you know, help grow that series and maybe see some other local dealer involvement, because I think it's something that's really going to grow over the next few years. And that's outstanding news. I can't wait to see the field of blue in the front of the front of the pack at that those events. Those are great events. So, Jim, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show today. It's uh, it's been great catching up with you and, and sharing stories. Love to have you back anytime. What's the best way to reach you as we're wrapping up here? What's the best way to to contact Motozilli? Yeah, the best. Um, you know, we have a website, great web, website, which is just uh, motozilli.com. Feel free to check anything out there. If you personally want to email me or the store, just motozilly at yahoo.com. I see all those emails. And, you know, if there's anything we can do to help anybody or any event, you know, we love being involved in the power sports industry in Northeast Ohio. 
in Western Pennsylvania. So if there's anything we can do, we're here and we, we want to be involved. And I appreciate you having me on, Dave. We'd like to thank our guest today, Jim Icazelli, for hanging with us on Pit Pass Photo. And here is our Pit Pass trivia question. Let me read it back one more time. Name the former NBA center who is a well-known vintage motorcycle owner and racer. What is his name and what team did he play for? The answer, of course, is Rick Smith. He played for the Indiana Pacers from 1988 to the year 2000. The seven foot four dunking Dutchman is an avid motorcycle fanatic and can be found at vintage events all over the United States. Upcoming events, we've got AMA FIM Supercross Round 9 coming to Orlando this Saturday, February 20th. And that is the first round of the 250 Supercross West Series. So that's uh, definitely something to look forward to, followed by Round 10, one of my favorite events of the year, the Daytona Supercross, which is March 6th, which is a Saturday. So look forward to that. Hopefully we'll have good weather and uh, continue racing. Thank you again to our guests for being with us today, and thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe to us in your favorite podcast app so you'll never miss an episode. And if you have a moment, please rate and review us. We really, really appreciate it. Make sure you're also following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit pitpassmoto.com where you can check out our all-new blog. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcasts. A special thank you to Tommy Boy Halverson, Chris Bishop, producer Leah Longbreak, and audio engineer Eric Coltnow. I'm Dave, and we'll see you next week. I'm Bruce Martin, host of Pit Pass Indy. Each week, I go behind the scenes of the NTT IndyCar Series and introduce our listeners to the biggest stars of IndyCar, which features the Indianapolis 500 as its cornerstone event. The men and women that compete in IndyCar may be the bravest athletes in all of sport as danger lurks around every corner. They are able to look danger in the eye without flinching. That is why the NTT IndyCar Series features the best racing on the planet. Join me every week as we talk to the stars of IndyCar, including the legends of the Indianapolis 500 on Pit Pass Indy from Evergreen Podcast.